1: He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. And suits so fine, they made Sinatra look like a hobo. Is this your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But well, I have a lot of things that are on order. You know, credit trouble.
2: Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's
3: different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler.
0: The state will self-destruct in five seconds.
4: Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present the conclusion to The Great Gildersleeve and then Jack Webb stars as hard-boiled gumshoe Jeff Regan, investigator, and by my side is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? I'm
5: not exactly at your side, but very close by. Yeah,
4: you're like maybe 10 feet away. Maybe. That's a safe distance, actually. Yes, I feel cause safe I can't, over here. I could not... Uh, Really reach you, even if I wanted to, That's from Molly thing. over here. <laughs> Grab probably, my neck.
5: Yeah.
4: You've done that to me before. You've done that Grabbed to me. Grabbed your neck? Yeah, yeah, you have.
5: I wouldn't because touch Because
4: you're tough. I, know. I don't want to mess <laughs> I with you. I might beat you she up. Works I'll stay out. over here. This woman works yeah. out. Yeah. You don't want to mess with her. She's pretty... She's pretty tough. She's, li- just
5: let's leave it as she's she bench
4: presses. Pretty. Just boy. she's
5: pretty. We'll leave yeah. it at that. All
4: right, we'll leave it at that. Let's get back to the conclusion now. Of this uh, We tuned in the first portion in our last hour. Here is the conclusion to this October 22nd, 1944 broadcast of The Great Gildersleeve.
1: Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Leela! Mommy! Yeah, and so is Christmas. Leela. Oh,
2: it's you, Throckmire. No
0: gracious, everything's happening at once here. The phone's ringing. Now sit down and make yourself at home, won't you, while I answer?
1: I was just going to ask you if I could use it.
6: Oh, me? It's just as soon as I answer this. Oh. Hello? Yes, who's this?
5: Oh, I couldn't guess.
1: Oh, guess it.
5: I couldn't.
6: Well, is it Walder?
1: Who's Walder?
6: Is it, uh, Kent? Not Kent. Well,
1: let me see now. Leela, I'm expecting a done. telephone call. It's very important. If you could hurry it up? I know. Poochie. Poochie. <laughs> no? Well, I
6: just shift to give up then. Who is he? Uh, oh, you. <laughs> I might have known.
1: Come on, come on, Leela.
6: Oh, nothing. Just sitting here.
1: Leela, my phone call. It's urgent. Shh. Shh. Else. Oh, for goodness sake. Uh, no, tell this me. This could go on for years, Leela. Excuse me,
6: Throckmorton,
1: please. Yeah, but who is it?
6: Wouldn't you like
2: to know? Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just getting comfortable.
1: Go ahead. Oh, for the love of Mike.
4: Silly, of course I'm alone. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, I declare anyone would think you were jealous.
1: Leela, excuse me, but I got to interrupt for a minute.
4: Uh, excuse me again, just a second.
1: Couldn't you ask him to call back later or something?
6: But I've only just met him, Throckmorton. I don't know him well enough to be rude to him.
1: Oh. <laughs> but my call is important.
6: Well, I suppose you think this isn't important.
1: All right, wait a minute. Do me a favor, then. When you get through, if you ever do, Leela, call the phone company and tell her my phone is out of order.
6: Very well.
1: Wait. When you've done that, call the long-distance operator and tell her I'm expecting a very important call from out of town. Yes. Tell her I'll be at Peavy's Drugstore, Leela. Mm. Tell her to switch the call to me there. That's a good girl. Oh, well, it's
5: Rock Martin. Wait. Yeah? Who are you expecting a call from?
1: Wouldn't you like to know? Yeah.
5: Hello? Hello?
0: Sorry
1: about the interruption. The plumber just arrived. Yeah, hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. Hello, Peavy. You mind if I use your telephone?
3: Not at all. That's what you're in business for. (laughs) Thank you. You'll find a phone right in the phone booth there.
1: I don't need to use it this very minute. As a matter of fact, I'm waiting for a long-distance call from Detroit. Detroit? Yeah, I had them transferred here.
3: Marvelous invention, the telephone. Marvelous. Yes, it is. Just to think, you can step into that little booth there, and people hundreds of miles away can hear what you say. Marvelous. Yes, it is. There's just one thing wrong with it, though, I've noticed. Oh, what's that? Well, most people have nothing to say. Now, you take Mrs. Peavy. Yeah? Mrs. Peavy is a fine woman. I admire her and I respect her. But when she gets on the phone there with some of her friends, I tell you I have to go out and walk around the block.
1: (laughs) I know what you mean, Peavy. I get the same thing at home. Marjorie now. She's a pretty sensible girl, as girls go.
3: Yeah, she is.
1: But every afternoon, she's on the phone for hours with Francie. And there's more slush, more silly guff. All about some kid around town named Van Johnson. You ever see him around? No, I don't think I have. Neither have I. But to hear them talk, he must be some pumpkins. I overheard my own niece offering to die for him yesterday. (laughs) (coughs) Oh,
3: telephone. That might be for me. Uh, Do you want to take it, Mr. Gillespie, or shall
1: I? You take it, Peavy. See who it's for. I don't trust that phone booth. It's too narrow. Standard phone booth? It, I know, but I got stuck in there once. I'm not taking any unnecessary chances.
3: All right, I hear you. Can't you see I'm coming? Peavy's Pharmacy. Why, yes, Leroy. He is. Yeah, just hold the wire. Leroy?
1: Where's he phoning from? Didn't say. Here you are, Mr.
3: Kildersleeve. Can you make it?
1: If you get out of my way, I might.
3: Oh, sorry. Uh,
1: darn little coop. Uh, Couldn't you sort of lean into it, Mr. Gildersleeve? Couldn't they have made it big enough in the first place? Standard phone booth. Standard. Hold on, Leroy, I'm coming. Give me a shove, (laughs) Peavy.
2: Hello,
1: Leroy? Where are you? Well, who's fixed the telephone? You did? Great. I mean, don't ever do that again, Leroy. You might get a shock. By George. How'd you do it? Don't tell me now. I'll be right home, Leroy. I'll be right home. What do you know, Peavy? Leroy, Fixed the telephone. Was
3: there
1: something wrong with it? Was oh, there something wrong with it? <laughs> <laughs> but he just hitched a couple of wires together or something. I don't know. By George. Modern kids are wonderful. <laughs> Maybe I'd better call the phone company and tell them to switch the call back there. You got a nickel, Mr. something? I don't know. I'm wedged in so tight here I can't get my hand in my pocket, Peavy. Yeah, let me put a nickel in for you. Yes, yeah, thanks, baby. Mm. Dial the operator for me, will you? I can't reach that either. <laughs> mm. Yeah, thanks. Hello, operator? I want to report a telephone out of order. Uh, well, I don't know what caused it. It just went dead. I mean, it went dead, but now it's all right again, so if you send anybody to fix it, don't bother. Marvelous invention, telephone. <laughs> operator, operator, wait a minute. I'm expecting a call here, long distance. I'd like to have it transferred. Gildersleeve. Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. The number here? Uh, what's the number here, PB? It's right on the dial there. I know, but I can't get far enough away to see it. Summerfield 342 6 Oh, yeah, Summerfield 342-6-0. Yes, man. <laughs> and that's where I am now, operator. But my home phone number is Summerfield 32371. That's the one that was out of order, so I called you from another number, I mean a friend did, to ask you to switch the call when it comes. Uh, here. Do you understand? Huh? I don't either, but uh, but I want it here now, and I I want it at home. Yeah, I just told you, Summerfield 32371. Marvelous invention. (laughs) No, 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 operator, it's not out of order. Listen, operator, it's perfectly clear if you just listen. My phone was out of order, so I went... Oh, let it go. I'll be home before you get it straightened out. Just put the call through when it comes. Yes. I better be going. <sighs> Don't follow Peavy. I'm stuck. Now, now. Get me out of here, Peavy. Get me out. Well, easy, does it? I've got to get home, Peavy. That
3: call, I may be missing it. Get me out of there here. No need to get panicky, Mr. Gildersleeve. We've been through all this before. <laughs> Just deflate. Huh? Let your breath
1: out. Let it out. I haven't taken a breath since I got in here. Uh, evidently, you've put on a little weight. No, I haven't put on any weight.
3: Well, then it's been redistributed.
1: You're... Stop talking, will you, Peavy? And yeah, do something. You got me in here. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. Well, it's your fault, anyway, for having this thing around. Standard phone booth, Mr. Gildersleeve. Stop trap. saying that. It's a booby trap.
3: Well... Yeah. <laughs> Looks as if we caught one.
7: No, oh!
1: <laughs> I'm out, Phoebe. I'm out. And I'm off.
3: When you ask me, you've been off for some time.
4: Oh, Marge, answer it.
0: Hello. Yes. Oh, my goodness. It's long distance for Uncle Mort. Uh,
5: just a minute, please. That's the call I was expecting. Well, where is he? Well, he said he was coming right home. Uh, hold the wire, please. What is it, Miss Marjorie? Bertie, it's a call for Uncle Mort, and I don't know what to tell him. Uh, run to the window, Leroy, and see if he's coming. Here, give me that, Miss Marjorie. I know what to tell him. But, Bertie, are Your you... Your uncle told me what to tell him. Hello? Here he is. I'm sorry, Mr. Gillsleeve ain't
1: here He ain't been around for two weeks I expect he's probably dead Uh, Bertie! How's that for telling him, Mr. Gillsleeve? Bertie, that's a call I've been waiting all day for Well, over the brakes, kid (laughs) Leroy, give me that telephone Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Gillsleeve Never mind Operator, operator, operator That's the kind of service you get Operator, when you want them, you can't get them When you don't want them, they call you up Operator, I pay good money every month for this the darn thing Uncle Mark. I won't have it in the house Not again This time I mean it Compound it
5: it's <laughs>
1: There Let me see you fix that Leroy
2: What a character <laughs>
7: On this program was directed by
0: Claude Sweet. This is Kevin Carpenter speaking for the craft cheese company, makers of parquet marshmallow and a complete line of famous quality food products. Craft invites you to listen again next week for the further adventures of the Great Gildersleeve. This is the National Broadcasting Company.
4: And that's the conclusion to the great Gildersleeve starring Hal Perry. From October 22nd 1944, with the important phone call, also in the cast, Walter Tetley as Leroy, Ed Lillian Randolph as Birdie, Earl Ross, Shirley Mitchell on that, Ken Carpenter doing the announcing sponsored by Kraft as heard on NBC. Let's take a break. When we come back, it's a great detective adventure starring Jack Webb as Jeff Regan, investigator, here on Hollywood 360. More
0: Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360.
4: Welcome back to the show. I'm Carl Amari, Lisa Wolf here, and our executive producer, Mike Costella, behind the control panel there. Here's like the... The Great and Wonderful Oz. Remember him behind the uh, behind the curtain? the curtain. Yeah, although so, there's no curtain. Yeah, but, but that's okay. But I see him as like the Great and Wonderful Oz. That's
5: a nice compliment, right? But he's right?
4: taller than Oz was. Mike is. Yeah, Mike's Mike's. Yeah, I wish I was as tall as Mike. Oz is like all powerful. Yeah, but the sky. guy playing Oz was he nice. oh, was a, kind right. of a little guy. Right. Um. All right. So it's time now for Jeff Regan, investigator. And uh, don't let me stop you there from uh, talking on your BlackBerry whatever that is. No. You know what? I was going to our website. Oh, is that what it and is? And I wanted to give your a little Blackberry information. Your BlackBerry or of... your Abacus or what is yeah, that? Yeah, an Abacus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just want to what? remind everybody that we do have a website,
5: Hollywood360radio.com. You can find our podcast posted there each week. Yeah. You can also find a store there. We have our affiliates listed there. Um, and you can contact
4: us through there as well. So quite a plethora of information. Wow, that's a big word. Thanks. Yeah. Very good. Uh, you learned that while you were getting your two master's degrees? Plethora? Yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. Was that
4: part of the uh, your final?
5: That was my final exam. Right. Think you of a big a, word.
4: Did you do a, um, uh, what was it, what do you call those? You don't even know what it's called. Wait, what is it? Um, I'm trying to think of what that is. I did my thesis. My thesis on the word plethora. How's that? Mm-hmm. You know, I did a thesis on the war of the worlds. Right. They get they let you pick what you wanted to do for your thesis, and I was. You like, did
5: a thesis for what now? For college. Like kindergarten
4: You're or something? In college? <laughs> well, I was in kindergarten until like the seventh That's grade. That's what but, I was thinking. Um, but when I got into college, right. when I was thirty-five, I don't. I did a thesis. Like a
5: thesis sentence. I think. Yeah,
4: kinda. <laughs> All right, let's tune this in. This is part one of the guy from Gower Gulch, starring Jack Webb as Jeff Regan, investigator.
7: My Regan. I get ten a day in expenses from a detective bureau run by a guy named Anthony J. Lyon. They call me the Lion's Eye. With Jack Webb is Jeff Regan, the Lion's Eye, stand by for
0: hard-boiled action and mystery and thrilling adventure in tonight's story of the guy from Gower Gulf.
7: It's a gray building, about the color of moldy bread. It's an apartment house in the middle of Hollywood, and it figures that the guy who built it quit voting when they named the street it sits on, Taft Avenue. My place is furnished with war surplus from the Spanish-American War. Well, it's got a hat rack, and that's where I live, number 308. In back, where you get a view and some fresh air from the alley. One's about as bad as the other. But I got it fixed up kind of nice. Hot plate, coffee pot, an autographed picture of Sally Rand that somebody left there. The only mistake I made was putting in a telephone. It spoils a lot of things. Regan, it's the Lion. Wake up. We got a job. Why don't you sleep at night? Lucky for you, I got insomnia. We go broke. Try Ovaltine. What kind of a job? How
2: should I know? Get your clothes
7: on. What are you doing? Reading the want ads?
2: I got a note from a client.
7: You mean you got money?
2: hundred bucks is all. Says he'll match it if we run him an
7: errand. Where to? Santa Ana Canyon?
2: He'll tell you.
7: You know, you got morals like a cash register. Can he write his name?
2: Davy Crockett. He's 50 uh, years old.
7: Well, he's a little old for cowboys and Indians, isn't he?
2: That's his name, Davy Crockett.
7: Well, when's the wagon train pull out?
2: Regan, I don't know how I stand for you. Get over there. Get where? Listen, a guy works pretty hard building up a business like I have takes a lot out of him.
7: Uh, you got plenty on tap.
2: I just want you to understand that's all. Money doesn't grow on trees. Now sometimes you gotta play your hunches.
7: Like George Gallup.
2: This time I got a feeling the guy's okay. He writes like a gentleman. We can I want you to treat him like one.
7: But where do I find him?
2: He's in a location can give us a lot of business. Where? The city
7: jail. Yeah, that's the lion. Born under the sign of the dollar. Well, it happened on Monday night, and I found the Lincoln Heights jail looking real tired after a rough weekend. They were putting fresh creosote on the walls in front of the drunk tank, and the guy at the desk looked like he'd burst his radiator if anybody phoned for another reservation. It was about 1 a.m., but after a couple of jokes I know about alligators, Sergeant Gonzalez hauled out a drawer with some cards in it. Under C, he found it. Full name, David Crockett. Cell 273, solitary. Gonzalez walked me through a couple of corridors, and then he opened his cell and let me inside. Davy Crockett was there, awake and standing up. He was about four feet high, skinny, with a head like a sunburned turnip. He had blue veins roaming all over his nose and a handlebar mustache to hold him up. He looked at me like I was holding the fifth ace.
6: Howdy, stranger.
7: My name's Regan, International Detective Bureau.
6: How do I know Start anything and I'll set up a racket.
7: Well, I work for the Lion. You called him.
6: Maybe yes, maybe no. You got credentials? Where do you want him? Easy, son. Not talking to an amateur. Flyweight champion. Buenos Aires, 29. Grab yourself a squat, partner. All right.
7: What are you so nervous about?
6: Nothing. Be cautious, that's all. All
7: right, look. Let's start at the beginning, shall we? What are you locked up for?
6: Fire plug. Got him in the dangest places in this burg.
7: What'd you do? Steal it for your dog?
6: No. Fired my landlady's car alongside it while I ran in there.
7: You don't get jugged for traffic tickets.
6: There were two cops. Looked like a posse. I don't like injustice.
7: All right. Resisting arrest, is that all?
6: What more do you want? Told you I'm not a man to be trampled with. Taught judo in Tokyo, 34.
7: <clears throat> the Japs still lost the war.
6: Sit still, Regan. You're working. On what? Well, it's... Just another errand. It's not
7: much. Well, come on. Let's pick up the temple, will you? My bicycle's double parked.
6: Say, you ever get saddle sores on a bicycle I did once? Eight day race. Yeah,
7: yeah, I know. Now, what about this errand?
6: Little package wrapped up in a sweater in the alley by the can. Go on. I calculate I dropped it about three and a half feet to the left of the big can.
7: By accident?
6: Man can't fight with his hands full. I'll write down the address for you here. All
7: right. What's in that sweater you didn't want the cops to see?
6: A polecat.
7: It fits the rest of your story, yeah.
6: Son, there's nothing in the life of Davy Crockett won't stand inspection. When you get the package, check it in at the Union Station. And then what? Save me the stub, you get a hundred.
7: Save it for bail, you could do this job yourself.
6: Thought I told you, Sonny. I'd like to be lonesome.
7: So you had him lock you up on purpose.
6: No, I just like it here. You want a reference? Check any of the boys in Gower Gulch.
7: Movie cowboy, huh?
6: Laddie, you're looking at the greatest jockey since Paul Revere. Eddie Sand... To Eddie Yacht I beat them all. Kentucky Downs, 39.
7: Yeah, sure. Well, a job's a job, Davey, but I got a hot tip where I fit in. Where's that? Trailing the field. Well, I left the little man running his fingers through an old copy of Variety, and I went out into the street. It was about three o'clock, and a truck was throwing some water out and giving the gutter a shampoo. I picked up my car and started out to play retriever. That's when I spotted the blonde tailing me. She was using a 37 Packard, and the top was down. I could see her in the mirror. I could tell she had yellow hair like a rag doll. It took a few fast turns to get rid of her, but then I was solo when I pulled to a stop by the alley off Gower. It was in back of some old movie studios. About then, a drunk came pouring down the street, did a loop around a fire plug at the head of the alley, and sat down. He was the talented kind, and I figured he thought I was Arthur Godfrey. Well, I scrambled over some broken beer bottles looking for the sweater. It finally showed, lying beside a pack of newspaper and some dame's torn petticoat. That's when the drunk lost his tilt and began looking at me. I picked up an old shoe, I wrapped it in a newspaper, and I started out of the alley. The drunk went back to his audition, moving toward me.
2: Mary, the dawn is breaking. Mary,
3: you'll soon be waking. Hiya, friend, have a drink.
7: That's not my brand. Don't
3: be a mug. A little drink between friends is real nice.
7: We haven't been introduced.
3: My name's Maxwell. What's yours?
7: Slipped my mind. Ah,
3: that's the trouble with the whole world. No fellowship. Except for my girl, Marie. You know Marie?
7: No, I don't.
3: Sort of short and plump with a little sinus trouble. It's too bad. Thought you might have met her. Lots of fellowship in that girl. Every time you look, another fella.
7: All right, move it, buddy. Now, you don't want to
3: get by me. Friends, you want to stand right there and have a little drink.
7: You got the subject we're going to talk about? Yeah,
3: sure, sure. What's in the package?
7: Dirty laundry.
3: Ain't that funny, though. I just got me a new Bendix.
7: Why don't you go into business?
3: That's what I'm going to do. You're my first customer. No, I lux my dainties. Don't go away, friend. I ain't through with
7: my sales talk. Well, hire a skywriter. Hold up, I said. Get your hands off of me.
2: All right, Regan, the round's over.
7: Yeah, what makes you the referee? This
2: does.
6: Friend here wants
2: to play rough, Red. Reconsider, Regan. It'll make you happy.
7: All right, what do you want?
2: The package.
0: You heard what he said, smart guy. Why don't you work for him? Hey, baby, Max! <laughs>
2: oh, don't leave, Regan. We're not finished. I got the package, Red. Give him a tip for picking it up. <laughs> sure. Oh.
0: Guess I overpaid him. <laughs>
4: That's the first portion of Jeff Regan, Investigator from November 13, 1948. The guy from Gower Gulch is the title of this episode. Jack Webb stars as Jeff Regan. This was a show, Lisa, before he became super, super famous as Sergeant Joe Friday on Dragnet. This was, he did a lot of radio, Jack Webb. And then he hit upon his signature role of Sergeant Joe Friday for Dragnet, and you that was it. He didn't do anything else. He was uh, he was Dragnet, well Dragnet twenty four seven, really. Yeah, I think we're that. still looking for our signature role, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. All right, let's uh, let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood three sixty. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. All right, let's get back to this. Jack Webb starring as Jeff Regan, investigator from November 13, 1948.
7: Well, it was easy to see. It was their play. I had about as much chance as a midget in a basketball game. The muscles ambled off with the package that they took from me, and I crawled back for that sweater. It was still there, wrapped around something hard and round. And when I ripped it off, a shine caught my eyes. It was a metal can of movie film, and the word Peru was marked on it. Not much for all the hush-hush, but it must have had a story. Well, I looked up a friend of mine who owned a camera shop, and I made a commotion with a five-dollar bill. I shook the sand out of him, and he rented me a projector with sound. The lion's house was the next stop. We threw up a sheet on the wall and turned on the film. That completed the night. We had a trip to a good neighbor without a passport.
5: Wonderful. Turned out to be a Joan
7: Fitzpatrick giving some kind of, Peru, of a travelogue. One of the
5: most colorful in the world. A temple of worship, home of Peru, two thousand years old. Yes, yes, in have to see a movie. Well, stop screaming. It's free. You
2: know I can't stand movies. I got sore eyes. All right, what shut up and life life listen
5: to this. To Peru, the marketplace. A street vendor dressed in gay native costume. Selling delicacies to Peruvian children. Beads and jewels of exquisite beauty wrought by the hands of master Peruvian artisans. Horse racing and innovation from the modern world. And native dance. I'm
7: going to bed. You won't sleep. I stole your eye shade. Oh,
2: Regan, I gotta get up early. I got
7: lots to do. It'll
5: keep. A veritable symphony of motion. And so, it's with heavy heart we say adieu to lovely Peru. Land of the Peruvians. Land of charm and enchantment. And with the setting sun, we take
2: our lead. Well, what'd you get out of it? A headache. We'll talk about
7: it in the morning. No, I can't wait. What you doing now? I'm phoning the city jail. Looking for a room? Looking for information. Davey will supply it. You've been drinking. Now listen, big shot. Somebody's after this film for some reason. I'm going to find it.
2: City jail. Sergeant Gonzalez speaking.
7: Danny's Regan.
2: Oh, hi, Regan. I'm glad you called. I just got that joke about the alligators.
7: <laughs> yeah, well, do me a favor, will you? Sure, pal,
2: sure. See, I told it to the lieutenant. He's still laughing. You know, it may earn me a promotion, pal.
7: Let me talk to Davy Crockett. Oh, I can't do that, Regan. Well, you can say I'm his lawyer.
2: Well, it's not that, pal. He's not here anymore. What do you mean? Some guy bailed him out 20 minutes ago. When I was telling the lieutenant the joke, this guy in the briefcase comes in, slaps down the bail. Out walks your friend.
7: Well, he said he liked it there.
2: And yeah, Davey must have changed his mind. Where'd he go? Not very far. Just over to the morgue.
7: Well, the cowboy from Gower Gulch had spun his last yarn. Gonzalez told me that somebody had shot Crockett as soon as he hit the street. Oh, none of this made sense. The phony job, the blonde who tailed me, the fight in the alley, the corny movie. Now, the lion shoved the film in a desk, and I went out the door. I cut across his yard, but I stopped on the opposite sidewalk. My car wasn't alone. It was a 40-foot nag sniffing at its rear fender. Hey, Regan. Well, oh, Maxwell. That's me. You look different. Did you take the cure?
0: Shut up. Somebody wants to see you.
7: If it's Marie, tell her my book's full.
0: Thought you might like a lift.
7: You no, know, I got a friend who runs a streetcar. Now, go on, beat it.
0: Regan, don't be that way. Offer oh, him a panatella, Maxwell.
7: Who's this, your father-in-law?
0: You smoke, Regan?
7: No, oh, it might explode.
0: Yeah. Uh, so long. Hold it, busty. Uh, Get, get it. In. Oh, Max. Max, I told you before, you're on probation.
7: Oh, that's all right. Don't pick on him, teacher. He didn't hurt me. Get in front, Max. Sure. Where's your other boy, Red? We could play some bridge. I thought he'd do better in the shoe business. The one I gave him didn't fit, huh?
0: I'm a much misunderstood man, Mr. Egan. I'm sure you'll put your best foot forward. I'd love to. My card, Horace Grundy. Mm-hmm. Sometime earlier, a little man called me, Mr. Egan. Uh, Custer or Boone or... Uh, Davy Crockett? Of course. I want you to understand I get many such calls. Party line. It's a private number, but the salesman bother me anyway. Well, it's tough to be popular. Did Davy tell you what he was selling? No. Well, he didn't tell me either. Have it your own way, When I told him I'd meet him, he said he'd arrange to get out of jail. He said all he wanted was a job. And he got one. Yes, only there's no future to it. I wouldn't want anything like that happening to you, Mr. Regan. I'll renew my insurance. No, you'll come with me. It's more friendly. Suppose I don't like to talk. You won't have to, if everything goes all right. Well, it's your taxi. And you're paying the fare. All right, Maxwell. Clover Field.
7: never knew a guy could say the name of an airport and make it sound like forest lawn grundy sat in the corner checking the manicure on his fingernails and maxwell drove out olympic by the time we skidded into clover i figured absolutely nothing it was still only 4 a.m but there was a string of cars parked in the lot I spotted a 37-packard roadster, but I was too busy getting rushed up onto the field to look for the blonde. Besides, the faster we ran, the more excited Grundy got. then uh, we rounded the hangar and the reporters hit us. Hey,
6: Louis B. He's pretty sore, huh?
7: No, no. Louis B. and I are friends. Just his plugs are burned.
6: <laughs> Let us through, boys. Hey, wait a second. This judo who's traveling on the plane, they say he wants a quarter of a million. You you're gonna pay him today?
0: Yeah. After I see a workout. Come on, Regan, let's go. All right. Yeah, you're a real big man, Grundy. I'm going to be, Regan. El Romano, best rep of any horse in South
7: America. So that's it, huh? Where the ruins come from.
0: What's that? Peru. Oh, sure. Peruvian
7: National Airways gave Julio a special plane. Everything special. Like in the movies. Well, look, suppose you watch him unload. I'll take a back seat
0: here. Oh, no, no, Regan. This is a big day. I want you to see what...
7: What's the ambulance for? Well, don't Don't look at me. Stick around, Regan. It could
2: be you.
6: (laughs) Help, oh, help, help me. Hey, get that stretcher over there. Oh, he kicked me. Hit
7: me. Kick me. It's Julio. Not the guy who owns him. Must be.
6: I, I tried to
2: hold him. Behold, hold on break. Oh, my ribs. Take
6: it easy, boy. We got you. What happened? Bounce, bounce. The landing, she is rough. That is all. Where is the doctor? You're going to the hospital. Lie down. Oh, I'm broken in six places. Lift up the stretcher. Come on, boys. Hurry it up. Oh, you kick, He kick me. Move fast, boys. Yes, hot. down. Mr. Mr. Brandy. Mr. Brandy. Mr. Brandy. the horse.
7: The guy by the plane started to yell just about the time they took Julio toward the rear of the ambulance. Grundy took a dive for the cargo door and so did everybody else. And then I had to stand there while six feet of big shot cigar turned into a crybaby.
0: Look, Regan, look at the horse's leg. He's kicked himself. Okay, so he's clumsy. But he might not run again. He was going to be mine, Regan. Well, that's too bad. Call a vet. I have already paid 50,000 retainer on the horse, Regan. I'll send you a lawyer. I got an idea. You're connected with this. Oh, dry up, buster. It's an accident. Yeah? I got an idea. There's going to be
7: another accident. Uh, Grundy, maybe you're right.
0: Go! <laughs> oh, hey, come come him. Come well,
7: I didn't wait to see if he went down. Maxwell swung, but I took off through the crowd. I figured that Cloverfield wasn't for me, and I wasn't going to stick around for the Daisy. And then I spotted a ride—the rear end of Julio's ambulance. I made it just as the buggy started to move. I pulled the door shut and tried not to step on that stretcher inside. I shouldn't even have bothered that. The stretcher was empty. The only patient was me. things were beginning to move like a hula dancer with a hot foot. Davy Crockett sent me out to pick up a roll of movie film. A Joan Fitzpatrick travelogue on beautiful Peru. There was something in it that was hot but Crockett got himself plugged before he could say what it was. There were shots of a horse race in Peru and when a big buster named Grundy turns up buying a nag from a Peruvian breeder I figured a connection so did Grundy. When the horse got hurt and Julio did a disappearing act with his money everybody looked at me. That's when I took the shortest way to Hollywood in an ambulance, got my car, and made it for home. Only parked up the street from my apartment was that same 37 packet roadster I'd been dodging all evening. The blonde wasn't in it. She was sitting in my place, looking real hopeful.
5: Good evening. You keep late hours, Mr. Regan.
7: That's the kind of friends I've got.
5: Perhaps you ought to change them.
7: I'll stick it out. What do you want?
5: A little chance to talk to you.
7: It'll keep till morning.
5: Oh, but, Mr. Regan, I've been waiting so long, you've got to talk to me now. Why? I'm Davy Crockett's wife. You've got something that belongs to me.
7: I don't see any wedding ring.
5: I I don't wear one.
7: Scare off the other boys?
5: That's not a very nice remark,
7: Mr. Regan. No, but you'll let it go.
5: Only because it's not important.
7: Oh, stop it. You're not Davy's wife. If the little guy had anybody he could trust, he wouldn't have had to call him a lion.
5: All right, Mr. Regan. I lie. Well, let's
7: have it, lady. What are you after? The roll of film. That figures. It's mine. Convince me.
5: Mr. Regan, you're becoming very annoying. Why
7: don't you call the police? But
5: I tell you, it is mine. Let's
7: see the pink slip.
5: And so it is with heavy heart we bid adieu. to... That's
7: enough. Yeah, yeah. I thought I knew that voice.
5: Hmm. Davy stole the roll from my library. Now may I have it back?
7: Homicide will turn it over to you when they're ready. I can't wait. Well, what makes it so valuable?
5: I'm not sure.
7: Then how do you know it is?
5: Because I'm not stupid, Mr. Regan. Somebody goes to a lot of trouble to break into my film library. But he only steals one roll of film. Go on. I put the police on, Davy. Follow them to the jail. So you go after the film. That'd adopt uh, a pretty important business. Did
7: you push those holes in, Davy? Of course not. Now, you're going to get a chance to prove that when Homicide starts speaking in your cupboard.
5: About the film. I'll buy it from you. No sale.
7: There's the door, lady. Use it. <laughs> I threw the light switch and grabbed for the floor. When the noise stopped, I looked up. My landlady was going to be mad. The shots plowed a few holes into her flower pot. The blonde turned a couple of different colors and decided she could find safer company. She left with a fire escape without even goodbye. Well, I headed for the Lions. The idea being to make sure that he'd turn that film over to the police and advertise that I didn't have it anymore. That figured to cool me off and I could catch some sleep again. When I got there, the lion looked kind of excited. He was wrapped up in a silk robe with red and gray stripes, and he carried a drink to match. He was holding a piece of that movie film up to the light.
2: Hey, Regan, I've been calling all over for you. Where you been?
7: I'm looking for a bed.
2: I don't pay you to sleep. You're on a job. Now, uh, I've been thinking since you left. We're handling this wrong.
7: Yeah, now, that's what I figure. Get on the phone. What for? To tell Homicide you got a package for him. You're turning over that film right now. Easy. You heard me, big shot. I'm tired of playing the fall guy. Now, Regan, you don't know what you're saying.
2: I've been running over the section on that Peruvian horse race. And you know what?
7: You picked the winner.
2: And we're going to collect.
7: Who's making book?
2: The insurance company.
7: Well, come on. Clear it up.
2: Look at this clip.
7: Yeah.
2: Well, what do you see? What do you see?
7: Looks like a horse.
2: But look at him. He's way out in front. El Romano. Yeah, maybe. Now, here's the way I add it up. This film tells a story or everybody wouldn't be grubbing around for it.
7: Well, now, that takes a big brain. So
2: somebody's engineering a phony. Who? That's what you're going to find out. But I'll tell you one thing. That nag's insured by Banner Trust and they pay off big if we can turn up the swindle. All
7: right. Give me that picture. Where you going? Over to Grundy's to check the horse.
2: Now you're talking, Regan. You dig that out and we'll be eating squab. Yeah, And if you don't, you'll be collecting your unemployment insurance.
7: Well, the payoff's about the same. I didn't like it any better than a fan dancer likes a wind tunnel. I'd already seen enough of Grundy and his boys for one night, but when the lion gets an idea, he's like a hangman with a new rope. So I went out to test it. I found Horace Grundy's place. It was a bright new house in the San Fernando Valley. There was some fancy fence in back, and a stable looked like the paint was still wet where it said El Romano. A trailer was parked on the road with a truck from the veterinarians. When Grundy opened the front door, he looked like he'd been sitting a three-day wake, but without any beer. Hello, Regan. Uh, What's the verdict?
0: It's bad, Regan. Bad. Tendons
7: torn. Never run. Never. Uh, You said that. I can't believe it. Uh Uh-huh. I knew somebody else liked the animals. A guy from Gower Gulch. Decided to talk? Maybe. If you keep your hands in the audience. What else did Crockett say? Now you got him on the wheel. All right, you drive. That's better. You know the horse is insured? Not by me it isn't. You don't own it. You just paid a deposit. Sure, 50 G's. You got it back yet? There's plenty of time. Julio's in the hospital. Oh? Now, now, if it wasn't for the accident, you would have coughed up another 200000 Yes. No. Oh,
0: what difference does it make? The whole deal's a
7: bust now. What if that horse is a phony? Say some more, Regan. I don't know much more. Davy Crockett was a movie fan. You're doing fine. You had pictures? I wouldn't advertise them, but there's a shot of a horse winning a race. Take a look here. Give me that. All right, it's economy size. You're going to ruin your eyesight. I got a magnifying glass for my income tax. Well, let's get a light behind it. Now, let's see. Horse? You get a star. Four white feet. I can do that well myself. Listen, Regan. Horse in the stable's got three. That does it. My boss gets promoted. Come on, come on outside. I'll show no, you. I'll that. take your word for it. Let go of me. I got my information. Max Maxwell, where are you? I told you, don't whistle the bulldogs. You're in it now, Regan. You're on my side. All right, drop your blood pressure. There's a handkerchief on the play.
0: Hey, wait, wait. Hello. I look for somebody. Good morning.
7: Pan America.
0: See, si, see. Si. I'm Julio. Is Mr. Grundy?
7: That's uh, the guy with his mouth open there. How do you do?
0: I'm so glad to meet and talk. Choke it, Okay? You're horses. Mm, no, no, you're not understand. El Romano, he keeps me. Wait for the encore. Mr. Grundy, with belief, I'm telling you. Now, oh, look, you better make it fast, Julio. This guy goes Shut off. Shut up, Regan. A man trades a stretcher for a slab. Let him talk. Mm, oh, the hospital. I did not go. Julio is honest. A debt comes first. The interest's going up. When El Romano hurts himself, I know the deal is off. I know I must see the consul so we cash the check. What? Here we are. Ten thousand, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty. Your down payment is up. Now we are one big happy United Nations, no?
7: Well, that's what happened. Now there were two guys with their mouths open. By the time we got him closed, the little gent from Peru had waddled off someplace. Grundy folded his money and started to laugh. He was happy, and at least I had what I came for. Figured I could dump the whole plate of spaghetti on the lion. The lead horse in the travelogue was a different nag from the one in the stable. So I got in my car and headed for home. But I picked up a newspaper on the corner, and then the whole bucket turned upside down again. The green sheet was loaded with publicity shots of El Romano from South America. And he was exactly the same oat burner that came in on the plane, feet and all. No switch there. Well, if there was something phony in this act, it was that winner in that Fitzpatrick film. Well, for a minute I felt like a test pilot in a yo-yo factory and then the string broke. I took a fast run to the lions and one more look at those movies. I had it. Case was beginning to wind. Ten minutes later, I was back on Gower Gulf. is Regan. You alone? Don't
5: be insulting.
7: I'll open the door. What's the matter? You're slow. What do you want? Ask me in.
5: No.
6: No. Ask me in. Regan, look out. Uh, Be careful,
0: Regan. I have your
6: gun.
7: Well, Julio. Uh, Yes, Julio. Uh Uh-huh. What are you doing here?
0: Well, I told you.
7: I know. Back at my place, you are aiming at her, not me. She's been to Peru. She has the films. You knew that. You wish like I know it. I go to the movies like everybody else. I keep my eyes on the winner. After Hollywood Park, I should have known better. Yeah, there are lots of races. El Romano was a dud. He came in last. Sixty lengths with Davy Crockett digging in the spurs. You gave the nag a build-up. Phony publicity of the sucker and in insurance company. A quarter of a million I was offered. Can <laughs> it? You could have never closed the sale without Grundy watching a workout. That would have been a slow boat to China. You want to be a sailor, too? Oh, stop being tough, will you? You wore yourself out when you kicked up El Romano in that plane.
2: It looked good.
7: Yeah. Not to me or Joan.
2: Look out, Regan.
7: You are asking for a daily double. Yeah, well, I'm going to take it across the board. Give me that no, gun. Leave
2: me a double no, you're breaking my ass. That's the idea. I'll kick you in the stomach. No. Oh.
7: You better go back to his stretcher. Well. Yeah.
5: Why, you can be useful.
7: Well, yeah, when I'm working.
5: What about after hours? I'm not bad, you know.
7: No, I never noticed. Look again. No, I'm all through with the ponies.
5: Wanna bet?
7: Davy Crockett told me to play my hunches.
5: Here I am.
7: Yeah, but you're a loser. What do you mean? You threw those holes into Davy.
5: It was Julio. Oh, you're
7: trying real hard, but he was on the plane.
5: What do I do now?
7: That you might be a fond of to do to Gower Gulch.
5: That's not funny, Regan. I know it,
7: but you ran out of film. thing blew up like a hoop skirt in a high wind. Julio had a real good thing until he ran into the little man with a good memory and the dame with a fast trigger finger. Her blackmail pitch was already set up, but Davy figured to queer it, so she had to knock him off. Well, the hospital boys came after Julio, and Homicide dated Joan, the travel queen. The lion was pretty excited about the way things worked out. He figured that the insurance company would come across with some green stuff for exposing a fraud... They did. That was the color of the season pass they gave him to the Burton Holmes travel lectures.
0: Jack Webb is featured as Jeff Regan with Herb Butterfield as Anthony J. Lyon. It's CBS at this same time next week for more hard-boiled action and mystery with Jeff Regan, Investigator. Written by Larry Roman and Jackson Gillis. Produced by Sterling Tracy. Included in tonight's cast were Leo Clary, Clayton Post, Yvonne Patey, Ed Bagley, and Herb Ellis. Original music for this program is by Milton Charles, Bob Stevenson speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
4: And that's Jeff Regan, Investigator, November 13, 1948. The guy from Gower Gulch, starring Jack Webb. Also in the cast, Ed Begley, who, of course, is Ed Begley Jr.'s dad. Herb Alice, Leo uh, Cleary, and Herb Butterfield, Bob Stevenson, doing the announcing there, sustaining over CBS. Hope you enjoyed a good detective hard-boiled adventure of Jeff Regan, Investigator. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More
0: Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio
4: on Hollywood 360. All right, Lisa. Now you can go get a lozenge and take care of that sore throat because you've been talking so much on this edition.
5: You of Hollywood don't allow any more to
4: talk. I mean, talk, she gets talk, so talk, talk, she talk. gets so downtrodden when she doesn't get to. You there's no time. You don't well, have so much. Well, we're to gonna say. figure out next week. We're gonna figure out how to how to add a little. Hollywood, uh, stargazing throughout the show. How is that? I have an idea. We'll talk We're going to talk. We will talk, right? Yeah, we'll talk. Because we want more of Lisa. We really do. Well, I know I do. I, I know, want more I, of Lisa. I know I do. But, um, yeah, we, this new format doesn't give us a lot of time to talk, but next week we're going to talk a little bit more. We're going to have some trivia and some stuff like that. I think you'll like it. We're, uh, we're figuring our way, uh, with this new format, we're feeling our way. We're kind of uh, crawling before we can walk, and then we'll start running. Next week, it's Dragnet, the Phil Harris and Alice Faye Show, I Was a Communist for the FBI, Lights Out, Febber McGee and Molly, and Escape. For my co-host, Lisa Wolf, executive producer, Mike Estella, Vince and Chris Lombardi, my crabby brother, Vince Amari, Adam West, and me, Carl Amari, thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time.
0: To learn more about Hollywood 360 or to contact us, visit our website at hollywood360radio.com. Adam West speaking.